0: Chapter 3 of 3 Years in the Federal Cavalry by Willard Glazier This LibriVox recording is in the public domain Recording by Jonathan Linbrook of Lake Elsinore California Chapter 3 Preparations for Active Service 1861 First Advance Contrabands Their Hopes and Treatment Union ranks filling up, promotion, foraging and its obstacles, scouting and its aim, Senator Harris visits the command, Balls Bluff, recruiting service, interesting incidents, Camp Palmer, contrabands at work, drilling near Arlington Heights, Colonel George D. Bayard Fight at Drainsville October 15, 1861 The Harris Light broke camp at 8 o'clock a.m. and marched proudly through Washington, crossed the famous Long Bridge over the Potomac, and moved forward to Munson's Hill in full view of our infantry outposts where we established a new camp calling it advance. For the first time our horses remained saddled through the night, and the men slept on their arms. To us this was a new and exciting phase of life. Since our retreat from Bull Run, the rebel army has made itself formidable on this line, and though no active movements have been attempted on Washington, we are nevertheless apprehensive of such a measure on their part. Hence our picket lines are doubly strong and vigilant, while every means is resorted to to ascertain the position, strength, and intention of our wily foe. Frequently contrabands feel their way through the enemy pickets under cover of the night, and through the tangled brushwood which abounds, and reach our lines safely. From them we gain much valuable information of the state of things in Dixie. Some of them, we learn, were employed by rebel leaders in constructing forts and earthworks, and in various ways were made to contribute muscle to the southern confederacy. They have strange and exciting stories to tell us, and yet it seems as though they might be of great service to us if we saw fit to employ them, as guides in our movements. Their heart is with us in this conflict. They hail us as friends, and entertain wild notions about a jubilee of liberty, for which they are ever praying and singing, and look upon us as their deliverers. How they have formed such opinions is somewhat difficult to conjecture, especially when we consider the anomalous treatment they have received from our hands. The authorities have seemed to be puzzled with regard to them, and there are cases where they have even been returned to their former owners. And yet there seems to be an instinctive prophecy in their natures, which leads them to look to Northmen for freedom. Their presence in our camps becomes a sort of inspiration to most of us, and we only wish that their prayers may be answered, and that every chain of servitude may be broken this sentiment at times breaks out in such as the following poetic strain quote, "in the beauty of the lily christ was born across the sea with a glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me as he died to make men holy let us die to make them free" End quote. and as slavery was the cause and not as some say the pretext of the war If the Union arms succeed, this irrepressible conflict and villainous wrong must come to an end. Our confidence in the ultimate success of our arms is daily increasing. Since the 1st of August, our ranks have been wonderfully swelled, and now regiment after regiment, battery after battery, is pouring in from the north filling the camps of instruction and manning the fortifications around Washington. Meanwhile, earthworks are being constructed on all the high hills and commanding positions. Strong abatis are made of the forest trees, and everything done that can give the city an air of security and the country round about the appearance of a bristling porcupine. Should this influx of troops continue, we shall be compelled to advance our lines for very room on which to station them. We have some intimations that our advance to this point today is preparatory to such a movement. The day following our advance, I was promoted to the rank of corporal on the recommendation of Captain Buell, my appointment to date from the 15th. On the 16th, our lines were advanced to Vienna a station on the Leesburg Railroad, and on the 17th as far as Fairfax Courthouse, the Confederates falling back toward Centerville and Manassas without offering the least resistance. FORAGING AND SCOUTING We are spending our time mostly in foraging, scouting, and patrolling. In consequence of imperfect transportation, the cavalry especially is compelled to seek its own forage with which however the country abounds corn is found in right smart heaps as the natives say either in the fields or barns and hayricks dot the country on every side but there is a certain degree of scrupulousness on the part of some of our commanders with regard to appropriating the produce of the sacred soil to our own use which greatly embarrasses our foraging expeditions and exasperates not a little those of us who are needy of the things we are at times ordered not to take. It is no uncommon thing to find one of our men stationed as safeguard over the property of a most bitter rebel, a property which, in our judgment, ought to be confiscated to the use of the Union or utterly destroyed. We do not believe in handling rebels with kid gloves, and especially when we know that the very men whom we protect are constantly giving information to the enemy of all our movements, and using their property whenever they can to aid and comfort the cause of treason. We are too forcibly reminded of the fable we used to read in our schoolboy days of The Farmer and the Viper. We are only warming into new life and strength, this virus of rebellion, to have it recoil upon ourselves. We hope our authorities will soon discover their error and change their tactics. Our scouting is on a limited scale, though it affords considerable exercise and excitement. Thereby we are learning the topography of the country and making small maps of the same. We are traversing the forests through the wood roads and by which run in every direction, strolling by the streams and ravines, and gaining all the information which can be of use to us in future maneuverings. We scout in small squads over the entire area occupied by our forces, and often beyond, and now and then, more frequently in the night, We patrol between our picket posts to ascertain that all is well at the points most exposed to danger. The principal object of scouting is to learn the strength and position of the enemy, while the object of patrolling is to learn our own. October twentieth, Today the regiment was honored by a visit from its patron, Senator Ira Harris. After witnessing a mounted drill and parade, which pleased him much, he presented us a beautiful stand of colors, accompanied by an appropriate and eloquent address. He made especial reference to the object of the organization, the hopes of its friends, and their earnest prayers for its future usefulness and success. He dwelt enthusiastically upon the work before us. At the close of the speech the command responded with a rousing round of cheers, expressive of their thankfulness for the banner and of their determination to keep it, to stand by it, and to defend it even with their lives. The occasion was one to be remembered. Ball's Bluff Another great pall of sadness has fallen upon our soldiers. The papers bring intelligence of our terrible disaster at Ball's Bluff, and the promising Colonel E.D. Baker has fallen, while gallantly leading his noble Californians. Discussions as to the cause or causes of that fatal advance and bloody retreat are going on throughout our camps. It does seem to many as though gross incompetency or treachery must have influenced the authorities having immediate oversight of the affair, and that our fallen braves have been needlessly immolated upon their country's altar. Quote, Big Bethel, Bull Run, and Ball's Bluff, O oh, alliteration of blunders, of blunders more than enough, in a time full of blunders and wonders. End quote. But the boys are enthusiastic over the bravery of our nineteen hundred fought against a force more than twice their number, with all the advantage of position and knowledge of the country. All our battles have proven that our men can fight, and though Providence seems to have been against us thus far, for reasons most inscrutable, we will not waver in our determination to dare or die in the contest. Our chief difficulties are not in the rank and file of the army but in the general management of the forces, and we trust that ere long right men will be found to take the places of incompetent ones. Recruiting Service Today I was detailed by Colonel Davies to proceed to New York with Lieutenant Morton on recruiting service. We went on to Newburgh, near the lieutenant's native home, where we spent a few days together, but on the first of november i was ordered to troy to act independently i spent several weeks in this peculiar work and with good success though recruiting offices could be found on all the principal streets of our cities and villages yet a good business was done by them all such was the enthusiasm which prevailed among the people war meetings were frequently held and addressed by our best orators The press, with few exceptions, poured forth its eloquent appeals to the strong-bodied men of the country to range themselves on the side of right against wrong. Violence would be done to truth, did we not mention also, that the pulpits of the land were potent helpers in this work, by their religious patriotism and persistent efforts to keep the great issue distinctly before the people. Thus the mind and heart of the North were kept alive to the great problem of the nation's existence, and men were rallying to our standard. It was no uncommon thing to receive applications to enter our lists from young men or boys, too young and slender to be admitted, who left our offices in tears of disappointment, unless we could find for them a position as drummers and buglers a single instance of enlistment under my observation might be mentioned as it gives a specimen of the manner in which our work went on having taken passage on the cars one day from one point of my labors to another i fell in with a young man who was on his way to college where he expected to be matriculated the following day his valise was full of books and other students requisites and his heart full of literary ambition. Attracted to me by my uniform, he soon learned my business, and after a few moments of pensiveness, to my surprise, he told me to inscribe his name among my recruits. Then, turning to a friend on board the car, he said, Take this trunk to my home and tell my mother I have enlisted in a cavalry regiment. December 4th Today I returned from recruiting service, bringing with me our enlisted men who had not been sent previously to the regiment. I found the Harris Light occupying Camp Palmer on Arlington Heights, the confiscated property of the Rebel General Robert E. Lee. On arriving in camp, I found that the papers from Washington contained a letter from Secretary Seward directing General McClellan not to return to their former owners' contrabands in our lines. This order, when fully understood by our colored friends, will undoubtedly increase their exit from Egypt, as many of them style their escape from bondage. The government will probably adopt measures to give these fugitives systematic assistance and labor, that they may be of use to us. Already, I find that goodly number of our officers have adopted them for cooks and hostlers, in which positions they certainly excel, and there is no good reason why we may not employ them as teamsters on our trains and helpers in our trenches. They are generally very powerful and show signs of great endurance. Nor do we find them unwilling to labor, as we have been so often told they were. However, we do not wonder much that they have acquired the reputation of being lazy, for what but a thing or animal could take pleasure in unrequited toil. Now they have a personal interest, and take a peculiar delight in what they do for us. Their great willingness and ability to work for Uncle Sam or any of his boys would indicate that they will become eminently useful in the service of their country. From Camp Palmer the regiment had gone out to drill for some time, and here we continued through the month, generally occupying the large plain which lies between the Arlington House and the Potomac, and in full view of Washington. On this field Kilpatrick, Davies, Duffier, and others began to develop their soldierly qualities, infusing them into their commands, and imparting that knowledge of cavalry tactics which would prepare us for the stern duties of war we have been recently greatly encouraged by the movements of colonel george dashiel bayard of the first pennsylvania cavalry who on the twenty-seventh of november while on a scout on the road to leesburg Loudon county met a band of the chivalry near drainsville with whom he had a spirited skirmish The whole affair would indicate that Colonel Bayard is destined to be no mean cavalry leader. Cavalry regiments from most of the Loyal States have been organized and are now in camps of instruction. Occasionally they go out scouting, picketing, etc., and are thus preparing for the coming campaigns. December twentieth. Today a brigade of Pennsylvanians including two squadrons of Colonel Bayard's Cavalry Regiment, the whole force under command of General E.O.C. Ord, while foraging in the vicinity of Drainsville, were attacked by a rebel force nearly equal in numbers, with General J.E.B. Stuart commanding in person. A lively contest followed, in which the rebels were thoroughly beaten and driven from the field, losing, according to their own accounts, about two hundred and fifty and killed, wounded, and captured. They left twenty-five dead horses on the field, with the debris of two caissons, disabled and exploded by the well-directed fire of Easton's battery which accompanied the expedition. The rebels, who had undoubtedly come out for the purpose of forage as well as ourselves, having a long wagon train, retreated toward fairfax courthouse with their wagons laden with their wounded our loss includes only nine killed and sixty wounded unimportant as this victory might seem it caused an immense rejoicing in the union ranks it was a fitting answer to the calumny heaped upon us from both north and south that our soldiers could not fight and were no match for their boastful enemy End of chapter 3.